But when we come to Psalm 137, we find different words. I want to read the first four verses. Listen to what we find. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Tomorrow is my birthday, and it's birthdays are a time for us to reflect. And this week, as I've been reflecting upon the last year, some things were anticipated, but a lot that I faced this last year was not anticipated. I faced the death of some friends. I faced the critical illness of my spouse. I faced some financial challenges. I faced some very difficult challenges in relationships. You know, life can sometimes put us at a place where we don't even feel comfortable to be around other people who are praising God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever gone to church and, and it seemed that everyone else was upbeat and was praising God and, and you just kind of felt out of place? Because if the truth were told, Tears were closer for you that morning than what praise was. I want to remind us this morning, and let's be honest. I mean, it's a small group, okay? No one else is listening, all right? It's just us. Praising God is not always easy to do. And it's not that we aren't grateful. It's not that we don't believe that God is worthy of our praise. It's not that we don't have gratitude in our hearts. It's not that we've lost faith in our God. But sometimes, circumstances in our life can silence our praise. And it's in those times that I think our adversary tries to convince us that, you know, because of what I'm going through right now, to go to church seems so hypocritical. I'll be out of place to go to church because everyone else there is rejoicing and is praising God. And, and while I can put on a face and while I can say everything is fine, if I'm honest, things are not fine today in my life. And so our adversary would, would have us believe, well, maybe I just shouldn't gather with God's people today. Well, if there ever are times when you feel that way, that in the place that you find yourself today, on this given day, the circumstance you're facing, it's just hard to praise God. I want to say to you, you're not alone. You're not alone. I think every child of God has those times when we face things circumstances, situations that make it hard to praise God. And in the passage of Scripture we looked at, the children of Israel find themselves in such a place. 
when this group of Israelites penned these words. You see, in 597 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar and the nation of Babylon attacked Jerusalem, besieged the city, captured some of the choicest of the citizens of Jerusalem, and transported them all the way back to Babylon. And their intent was to, to so enculturate them in the Babylonian culture that they would forget about their God, that they'd forget about Judaism, that they would become Babylonian citizens. And it's while they are there and they are remembering Jerusalem and they're remembering loved ones far from home and remembering what has happened to the temple that they take their harps the instrument that they used to praise God and worship, and they hang them on the willows. They go down to the river and they retire their instruments, and instead of praising, they cry. Life has brought them to a place that they never dreamed they would be. And the Babylonians, whether they were in mockery or whether they really wanted to help, I don't know. But they came to them and, and they said, cheer up. Cheer up. Everything's going to be okay. Sing a song for us. Sing one of those old-timey worship songs from Jerusalem. Tell us about your worship in the temple. And notice verse 4, the answer, the question that these Israelites give to that request. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I'll remind us this morning that it's very common for there to be times in every believer's life that we find ourselves in a strange land. We find ourselves in a place and a situation that we did not plan. This was not the way we scripted our life. This was not the way things were going to turn out. We have never faced things like this before. We've never faced a relationship that hurt this deeply. We've never faced the death of a dream that we had given ourselves so much to. And we find ourselves, as it were, in a strange land. And while we have fond memories of what used to be, it's hard to praise God at a time like that. Well, I want to say to us this morning that as we approach Thanksgiving this year, I'm sure even in a congregation our size that there are Individuals here that Thanksgiving this year is so different than any other year. This is the first Thanksgiving that Tremaine has not been with family and will not be. This is the first Thanksgiving that a dear friend of mine and customer of mine, Peggy Ann Murray, who has always opened her home, single lady, always fixed a Thanksgiving meal and invited friends and family who had nowhere to go to come to her house 
this year Thanksgiving, she will be at Commonwealth. As people gather around their Thanksgiving tables, faces that always had been there, some will not be there. And there will be individuals who could be there that because of broken relationships will choose not to be there. This year as you face Thanksgiving, maybe your finances are not what they ought to be. Maybe your health is not what it used to be. It's very easy for us to find ourselves in a place, not that our faith in God has diminished, not that we are not grateful for what God has done, but the circumstances of life that we find ourselves in make it hard to praise. Now, truth be told, it would be much easier to weep and to praise. I want to say this morning that everybody faces those times on occasion. And I don't know what your situation is like this year. You know, if truth be told, there, there are probably some of us, maybe one or two, that walked in this morning and everything in our life is as bright as the sunshine out there. I mean, everything is going perfectly. You know, maybe like Kenton, we just got engaged. You know, we are just riding the, on the hype. Maybe you just had some wonderful uh, breakthrough in your, in your job, in your workplace, or financially. Everything is really going great. And you are just praising the Lord. If we'd give you the mic, you could go the whole time. Probably one or two of us are at that point this morning. But the rest of us this morning. The rest of us, as we gather here this morning, there are other things that are on our mind. There are things that probably are troubling you this morning. There are some problems that have not been resolved, and you don't know how they're going to work out. There may be some physical issues that you're worried about. There may be some relationships as you think of the holidays coming up that are really troubling to you. Maybe you've experienced a real failure and you don't know how to recover from that. Well, when we find ourselves by the river of Babylon, there are a couple things that I think we find in Scripture that we need to remember. And they can help us. And the first of those is this. Praising God is never on demand. Nor is it in denial. Now what do I mean by that? Notice in this passage, these Babylonians come to these Israelites. And they demand of them, sing a song. Stand up. Play your harp. It's as though they think they can come and just press the praise button. And you know, I think it's important this morning that we may address this because I find in many contemporary churches today, there are a lot of Babylonians. There are a lot of praise drill sergeants. Maybe you've been to some services like that where people are ordered, stand up, 
Wave your hands. Shout. What's wrong with you? Listen. Authentic praise is never at the demand of someone external to you. Authentic praise has to emanate from your experience. And while I know what the attempt is in some of those situations, what often happens is people are fussed at to the point that the praise that they give is not authentic. The praise that they give is a denial of the realities of their heart. You see, you can't make me praise God. You can make me shout. But just because I shout, Sheldon, doesn't mean I'm praising God. You can make me stand up. So I fit in with the rest of you that are standing up. But Lucia, just because I stand up, doesn't mean I'm praising God. Praise, authentic praise of God is never on demand of other people. And I think it is so unfortunate that we have failed in many of our services. We, pro we, we may provide instruments, we may provide a harp for you to play, but we don't provide a place for you or accommodate you when all you really want to do is weep. Listen, as pleasing as praise is to God in worship, it is equally meaningless if it comes from a heart that denies the realities that they're going through. So there are times when, yes, we need to praise God. But there are times when we come into his presence, all we really want to do is weep. And I'm convinced that in those times, weeping in God's presence is just as authentic worship for him as praise is. Because when we come before him and when we weep before him, we are exposing ourselves. We're expressing a vulnerability. We are coming before our God and saying, you alone are the healer. You know what is breaking my heart right now. You are the one who can put it back together. You are the redeemer. You are the restorer. You are the one who can administer the balm of Gilead. And you know, preachers are as guilty as this as worship leaders. So many preachers have to manipulate their, they're not comfortable with a, silent, a quiet congregation. So they're always asking and demanding for an amen or a shout or wave your hand or as though they, what they're giving needs to be validated. Listen, I hope that you and I never judge someone else's relationship with God by how loud they sing or how they worship. When we gather here to worship and our song leader invites everybody to sing, 
and someone just sits quietly, don't judge them. When someone needs to just be quiet in the presence of God, or even if they shed tears, don't judge that worship. That can be as authentic as the one who is singing the loudest and raving their hands and, and whatever. True worship is never on demand of someone else. Nor can it be a denial of what really is inside. Otherwise, it becomes a performance, and it's not worship with God. Well, not only is true worship not on demand, nor is it in denial, but true worship and praise has to be based not on my place, but on his presence. You see, we tend to think that we come at times of thanksgiving and praise, that, that our praise and thanksgiving is, is a reflection of what God is doing or has done for us. It's easy to praise God when there are signs all around in my life that he is present. When he's just answered my prayers. That's an easy time to praise Gerd and I prayed about her surgery this week. And when the doctor comes in at the end of the day and says, everything went well and you're doing wonderfully, it's easy to praise God then. But what about the times when things are not going as we had hoped? When God is not answering our prayer in the time that we wanted? You see, the problem for these Israelites is that they are missing Jerusalem. They're missing the temple. You, you see, one of the problems God had, if you remember, the idea of a temple was not God's idea. When David, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, first came to the idea before God, he said, I live in a fine house, and, and, and God, we have him dwelling in tents, a tabernacle. We need to build a house for God. God was objected to that. God, through Samuel, asked the question, when did I ever suggest that you build a house for me? You see, God prepared, preferred a tabernacle. Do you know what the word tabernacle means? Tabernacle means to, to, to walk alongside with. God is a tabernacling God. He walked with the children of Israel through the desert, through the wilderness. When they were surrounded by enemies, he tabernacled with them. When they couldn't go up on the mountain, he tabernacled with them. When they needed food, he tabernacled with them. 
That's what God wanted to do. And God feared, and he knew that, that it was a very strong chance that if they built a temple, a temple would be stationary. They would come to believe that that's the only place God was. And so here are these Israelites who are in exile get word that the temple's been destroyed. And so what do they assume? God is over there. God's not here with us. How can we sing the songs of Zion in a strange land? What they've forgotten is that God can be with you in Babylon just as much as in Jerusalem. It's not about our place. It's about his presence. Well, we have to be careful when life puts us in a place that we didn't anticipate. We didn't plan to be in this place. I never thought at my age that I would face things like this. I, I never thought with my family that I would face situation like this. I never thought I would face health problems like this. I, I've always been successful with business. I never thought financially I would ever be at a place like this. And when we find ourselves at a place... We find ourselves down by the river of Babylon. When we find ourselves, rather than playing our harp, ready to retire it, that's the time we have to remember that authentic praise of God is not based on what God has done for me. Yes, it needs to reflect that, but that's not what it's predicated on. What's predicated on is that he's his presence is with me. So no matter what I am going through, I'm not going through it alone. David said, though I walk, what? Through the valley of what? The shadow of what? Death. Yet I will not fear evil, for God is tabernacling with me. He is with me through that. That has to be the basis of our thanksgiving this year. Recount the blessings, count your many blessings, name them one by one, yes. But when your circumstances seem to overweight, overshadow the blessings, it's not that you're not grateful for what God has done, but the challenges that you're facing at the moment make it difficult to praise. And in those times, we don't praise God because of what he's done. We praise him because he's with us. His presence is with us. Well, praise is not based on demand of other people, external forces, nor can it be in denial of the realities of our life. Praise is not based on our place, but it's based on his presence. But the last thing I want to mention is Praise should always be in memory of his mercy. Our praise to God should always be in memory of his mercy. 
You know, this book of Psalms is interesting. Some people have called the Psalms the hymnal of the Jewish people. I think all of you are aware that in, if you look at the book of Psalms, there aren't chapters, right? Sam, they're what? Psalms, right? Psalm 1, Psalm 2. They're hymns. And I don't know when a group of rabbis or Jewish leaders put this book together, but there were more than 150 songs. So at some point, they got together and decided which hymns, songs, made the book. Now this one in 137 is so unique and somewhat troubling because it talks about not praising God. Why would you have a song like that in your hymnal? I think it's there because God knows that every believer at times finds ourselves by the river of Babylon wishing for what was, looking about us and not seeing the blessing of God that we may have known, seeing problems that are greater than we, and finding that God is not moving in those as fast as we would like. Now, not only did a group decide at some point which psalms made the book. But they also put them in order. They assigned them where they go. Imagine if Psalm 137 was the first psalm. Is that the way you would like to start your hymnal? Ray, you're our song leader. Would you like that be the first psalm? Because we can't sing. No, that's probably not the first song you'd want in the book. We don't find 137 at the beginning of Psalms. We find it in the latter half. But as you make your way through the book of Psalms, as you make your way through singing the songs, you come to 137. You come to that reality that you can identify as a follower of Christ. But I want to show you something this morning that I don't want you to miss. Things are not put together in the scripture haphazardly. Because while we find 137, talking about how difficult it is to praise God at difficult times, I want you to look back at the psalm that precedes it, 136. Now, this is, this is heavy. Even you're willing to catch it. 137 is preceded by 136. Flip back and look at 136. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 2, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 3, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 4, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 5, for his Mercy endureth forever. Emma, have you caught it yet? Verse 6, for his mercy endureth forever. Nathan, verse 7, for his mercy endureth forever. Alvin, verse 8, for his 
mercy endureth forever. Do you see that? Do you see that? 26 times the scripture says, for his mercy endureth forever. Listen, as we reflect this year on what we're to be thankful for, we don't praise God at the demand of other people. Our praise of God must not be a denial of the realities in our life. Our praise should not merely reflect the station or place we find ourselves on a given day, but rather celebrate His presence. But perhaps most importantly, our praise and thanksgiving to God needs to be in memory of His mercy in our lives. Think of all the times He has forgave us and forgave us and forgave us and forgave us and forgave us. Think of the sins that have been washed away by the blood of Christ. Listen, long before you ever made a profession of faith in Christ, he was merciful to you. You and I did not reap the fruit of all the seed that we sowed. None of us experienced all the consequences of decisions we made while we were apart from God. He has sustained us. He has given us life in Christ. He has given us the gift of eternal life. He has been there for you and for me as we have walked with him. Authentic praise must be in memory of his mercy. So this year, as you gather around your Thanksgiving table, maybe there won't be some people there that were there last year. Maybe there won't be some people there that ought to be there. Your finances may not be this year what you feel they ought to be. Maybe your health this year is not what it used to be. But when you think of the mercy of God in your life, when you think of his tabernacling presence with you, not only in the past, but in the future, even though you may not feel like playing your harp, even though, if truth be told, tears are what you want to shed. Yet, you and I, even in those situations, even by the rivers of Babylon, we can bring authentic praise to God. We have opportunity to, with our mouth, 
express praise to God that recognizes and declares to other people that God is in my life. We acknowledge that God is in my life. And that's a word that people without hope need to hear. So as we approach this Thanksgiving season, I'm, I'm not against the kernels of corn at your plate and everyone sharing what you're thankful for. That's good. We should do that. But I know the realities of life, and the older I get, the more I'm experiencing that myself. It's not that I'm not grateful for what God has given and provided for me. But if we're honest, there are days, there are times when the circumstances of life can conceal our praise. And it's in those times that we need to remember. Our praise is not at the demand of other people. Authentic praise must not be a denial of the realities in my heart. My praise must not be merely based on my place, my situation, my circumstance. But it must be based on the presence of God in my life. And it should always be in memory his mercy. Let's pray. Father, this morning we know how difficult life can be. We know how disappointing life can be. We know what it is like to have our dreams break and crash. We know what it's like to invest so much in relationships and feel like there's been little return. We know what it's like to feel so healthy and well and invincible and then experience the weakness and frailties of our bodies. We know what it's like to give ourselves to plans and projects and to see them not come to fruition. And Father, in those times, May our hearts rejoice in the memory of your mercy. That you have not responded to us as we deserved, but that you have been gracious and merciful. That you are a forgiving God. That you have forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven. That you are a God of second and third and fourth chances. That you have given us the gift of eternal life. And we are secure in your tabernacling presence with us. Father, may this Thanksgiving season, may we acknowledge your presence in our lives. May we declare that you are our God and that our faith and our confidence is in you. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.